Last week we, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we introduced a little bit, just a little bit about angels and how they interact with us. Where um, we noted the the angels bringing, uh, the, and we've talked about some different ones, and we've had one by name, Gabriel, uh, who's been bringing messages to uh, to Daniel, and uh, we've noted that we, well, we know angels are somewhat mystical, <clears throat> and. Um, we don't know a whole lot about angels. And uh, sometimes when we talk about angels, we talk about them almost like we talk about leprechauns or fairies, right? We, they're just kind of out there, and, and we kind of, we, we know there's a, there's a part of it. Just for a little while, we'll pretend they exist, you know. Uh, as long as the movie's playing, we can kind of pretend that there's a such thing as leprechauns and whatnot. And, uh, but really, when the movie's over, and uh, when church is over, and when we're done, we kind of... Yeah, it's just not a part of our world, is it? It's, you don't think of angels as a part of your world. You're in your office, you don't think about angels. And we're going to look at some really interesting things um, in, in Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel chapter 10 is a part of a series of chapters, and, and it's just kind of like this interlude. There's not really a vision in this chapter. We've been talking about the second part of the book of Daniel uh, as these visions... Um, but it in and of itself is, is kind of just setting up this, this vision that, that he's going to give in Daniel chapter 11. But Daniel chapter 10 has a, a lot of really good stuff in it. <clears throat> and I think we need to, um, to get into some of the interesting things. It's there for a reason. Daniel chapter 10 is there for a reason. And so we're going to, to read uh, today... Um, Verse, uh, now, we, before we get into this, I, I want to back up just a little bit because this is kind of, as I said, it's a, a continuing section beginning in, in, um, in verse 9. He says, in the first year of Darius, right? That was uh, the beginning of the, the, the that was that vision. And then, then we have, in this, we're going to move forward yet another couple of years into uh, this this time period. So he gets this vision a little bit later. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was very long. And he understood the message, and he had, understood, and he had understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. <clears throat> I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine, came to my mouth. I did not anoint myself at all. means he didn't take a bath. Um, for Until these whole three weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Uphaz. I don't know what that is, but the body was like beryl. His face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like the torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, and the men who were with me didn't see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled and hid themselves. And therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty. I had no strength left. 
But I heard the sound of the words, and while I heard the sound of the words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. And then suddenly, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand, and he said, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. We saw that last week, remember? That these angels care for us. He says, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this to me, I stood trembling, and he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And so I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of our chief princes, came to help me. I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the later days, for the vision refers to many days that are about to come. So when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground, and I was speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood in front of me, My Lord, because of the visions of sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. He says, How how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now nor is any breath left in me. And then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, do not fear. Peace be to you and be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and I said, My Lord, speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone... Indeed, then the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in Scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. There's a lot of interesting things. We're going to talk about princes and angels. And hopefully when we are done, they are not like leprechauns. We've talked about spiritual vision a few weeks ago, we talked about seeing the divine. And I talked about that in a, in a somewhat of a general sense. And I want to look a little bit more at what this means. And of course, we can't see the divine. We're going to have to kind of do this in our mind's eye. Uh, but this chapter is going to give us some clues and give us some things to look at and see some of the divine things that are happening. At least at this point in time, they were happening. We do need to reference the fact that when he talks about princes here, he's not talking about princes like the son of a a king, like Prince Charles. He's talking about angels. And there are some clues in here that, uh, that help us, but the most obvious would be the last verse where he talks about Michael, your prince. No, The Jewish people apparently had a prince named Michael. Well, we know of a Michael. Uh, We only have two angels in our scriptures that have names that we know of. I mean, they all, I'm sure, have names. Uh, We know of Gabriel, who has been mentioned here, and we know of Michael. Michael called the archangel, one of incredible position. Uh, We meet him later on. 
um, Jude talks about him uh, as being the, on, the only one, uh, or I should say the, that, that Satan is the only one that would be more powerful or outranking Michael. So in this chapter, as we go through this, keep in mind just kind of the key of interpretation here. We're understanding that princes are angels for the purpose of this text. And we look at some things and we find maybe some things that are challenging to the way we think of things. One is that angels are not invincible. We just kind of think of an angel as, as walking around and doing whatever they want and I zap you and I can do what I want over here. And that's not the case. You remember the story of Jacob. Uh, and here's Jacob, just a human being. And uh, an angel comes to him and uh, he's scared. He was scared for his life. And he was so scared that... Uh, he grabbed the angel and he held him and wrestled with him all night long. Now at some point in the night, the angel touched his hip and put it out of socket. I don't know if you've ever had a joint pop out of socket. I've, I've, you, you move awkward every once in a while and your arm just kind of, just a little bit goes out of socket. And it's like lightning shoot through you. Imagine having that like the whole night. And, uh, and the whole night, Jacob won't let go. And, and Jacob says, you're going to bless me. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And the angel's like trying to get away from him. And he's like, no, you're not going anywhere. And the angel has to give up and bless Jacob. They're not invincible. Now, I, I was working at the time with a guy who was a, a wrestling coach. Uh, he had, well, in Vermont, he had been a wrestling coach in, uh, in Nebraska. And he's, that's amazing. He's like, you can't see straight when you have anything out of socket. I can't imagine the pain of an out-of-socket hip. <laughs> and, to, and to do that. So that, that really appealed to him. This story really appealed to him. But we see here... In this chapter, angels are not invincible. They don't just get around and zap whoever they want and go on their merry way. This angel says, uh, listen, um, there was a plan for, as soon as you prayed this, there was a plan put in place uh, for me to come and share the interpretation. Now, remember this, this whole time, Daniel's so distraught over the vision that we're going to read in chapter 11, uh, or begin to read in chapter 11 next week. It's, we're going to take a couple of weeks to go through it because there's so many details, and it's so awesome. But it was scary. And, and he was so distraught. Of it. You ever wanted to know why, and, and you don't get the answer why? God, why? Why won't you answer my question? Why won't you answer my prayer? Well, maybe it has. Maybe there's an angel on the way to give you a message. And the angel's got some other things. We don't think of, of this, but the angel is on his way and gets detained for 21 days by another angel. Who is not so nice, angel? The angel of Persia or the prince of Persia. Angels have bad days. 
You ever think of that? You never think. You just think, angels just kind of go along their way and they have their little magic dust and they do what they do and that's life. They don't understand what it's like to be me. Way down here. Dealing with life and inconveniences. No. This angel dealt with inconveniences. He was withstood. And he wasn't about to win whatever this contest was because someone had to come and help him. Angels have those days too. Sorry, Daniel, I was trying to get here. In our disappointment, we often see that we are not the only ones struggling. Now, we do that on a human basis when we can see people. And when, when we can look at people and really the information is there in the people's lives around us, and we just kind of think we're the only ones suffering. But imagine now on an angelic level where, where things are happening out there and we don't know. Things are happening to them too. And we're all a part of this thing that God is doing in the, in the universe. When God says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and things and, 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 and spiritual and heavenly places. Listen, that's real and that is happening. And, and people like us, only on a higher level, angels, whatever they look like, whatever they are like physically, they suffer setbacks. And what we're going to see is that those setbacks kind of correspond to the things that happen in our world that we do see physically. Angels are connected to the things that happen. So I want to back up. By now we should know the succession of world empires by this point. Right? We've gone through them a couple times. We saw Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now he's kind of in this section, he's going to be dealing primarily with two. Babylon's already gone because this is now the third year of Cyrus. So Babylon has ceased to exist as, a, as its own entity. It's got swallowed up into Persia for three years. So Babylon is no longer in the discussion. We're now in the period of Persia. We will be for a couple of hundred years before Greece comes. And do you notice what's happening in this passage He's being confronted by an angel of Persia and not having much success. That's corresponding to this time period in which the nation of Persia has arisen. And he says what? I'm going to leave here and I'm going to have to contend with another prince, with another angel, the one that represents Greece. Well, we're going to notice that Greece arises after that. There's, there's these connections of events to angels. I, I didn't even know really until this chapter. It was interesting reading this chapter. I mean, a long time ago. But I remember reading this chapter thinking, I didn't know that angels were kind of assigned to countries. Hmm. We're going to talk about one particular angel that's assigned to a country. Now, 
so, so we, we recognize that this is the third year of Cyrus, and Persia is reigning. And we can see now through this series of events that, that things that happen out there that we can't see are connected to things that are happening here. I, I don't know how it works. I just know it does. You know, there's a lot of things like that. We get, get on an airplane, and you just go, I mean, maybe not so much now, but when you do, and should we ever get the, back to the point in time where we get on airplanes, you'll get on airplanes, and you won't really ask why. How does this, you know, umpteen tons, I don't know what those things weigh, hunk of metal, get off the ground? You can explain lift and thrust to me all you want, but I still don't understand it. I I just get on in faith that it happens. And that's the way our universe works. I I don't understand how angels do what they do, and it, it makes what's happening here around me, and the things that I see in my news, they're all connected. But they are. And I just trust it. Well, maybe that looks coincidental to you as we look through those limited passages and see Persia and Greece, an angel of Persia, an angel of Greece. Two sometimes can be a coincidence. So let's look at a third. Three is a trend. He talks about your prince. And he says, your prince is Michael. Michael, as we've discussed, is the most powerful angel. And when God apparently needs to send in somebody, right, the, 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 the pinch hitter, the guy that comes in and kind of cleans up the mess that some of the maybe lesser strong angels can't handle, he sends in Michael. And that's what we see here. Wouldn't it be nice to be Israel? You get Michael? Yes. This is like being the little kid. And uh, you get picked to be on the, the team with all the really good kids. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Right, I'm, I'm Israel. I'm this little teeny tiny nation. Think about the history of Israel. And maybe the fact that Michael is their archangel, that, that, that their protecting angel, might make sense to us now. When they were only 100 to 300 people, a pharaoh arose that knew not Joseph and began to try to persecute them. And we read in, the, in, 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 in that book that they prospered under that. They grew exceedingly strong. So they, they, they're adding work and they're adding labor and then they're killing the, and they continue to grow and become strong. And we read that they, they leave, they're chased out, and all the nations around them won't help them because they're afraid of them. And they succeed again. Then they go into a land full of giants and they succeed again. All the stories through the, the, through the kings and through the chronicles and through the, the period of the judges, all these incredible stories. And they do nothing but succeed against every odd that is against them. We know the history of persecution. There is no people that have been as persecuted in the world throughout all of time and throughout every location 
Rome will be brutal. Kick them out of their own country. In fact, kick them out of the country to the degree that they didn't even return for almost 2,000 years. There were no Jews in Palestine. They were spread out all over the world. And in the, in the countries that they went to, they were hated and despised. The, the czars of Russia tried to kill them. We know the history in Germany. And it's throughout the world, wherever they went, this happened to them. Well, after World War I, they started to come back. Just starting to matriculate back and gain a populace. And in 1947, Syria and Egypt and Jordan and Saudi Arabia tried to annihilate them and push them, as they say, into the Mediterranean Sea. After ten months, this one little teeny tiny group of people that barely had come back to their own native land had defeated all of those countries. Twenty years later, they had to do it again. The same countries. The first one took ten months to, to gain land, almost all of the stuff that they wanted, just to have their homeland. And so twenty years later, in, in 1967, they had to fight another one, Syria and, and Jordan, again, or called Transjordan at the time. And all these countries that they're completely surrounded by, Israel lost 700 people in that war, approximately seven to 900. The countries around them combined for about 9,000 losses. We know this as the Six-Day War. Think about that. Six days. This little tiny pebble of a nation. It didn't happen because Israel is just as genetically superior people. They have an angel that's the most powerful angel that does whatever he's doing up there. I don't understand it. There's only one way to explain this, and it's right there in the book of Daniel. He says, Michael, your prince. Man, that must be nice. Now, the conflict in Persia, I want to back up, is interesting. Because we know that Cyrus is a good king. And Darius the Great is going to be a good king. Under them, we've talked about the, the wall in Jerusalem and, and the temple all being rebuilt. So why, is, why do they have a good king and a bad angel? I thought things corresponded. That is kind of puzzling. Well... He says he had to... I want to just read one verse from chapter 11. And we see this is interesting. He says, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I, this angel, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. In other words, sometimes the people don't always do what the angel would like them to do. The angel's got his own agenda and he's using this nation to try to accomplish something and, and this is, I think, what the war is between these angels. This angel's trying to manipulate these people to do this thing and this angel's saying, no, 
And it's in this period of time where, the, where Michael's coming and, and helping that we see this, this process of the temple is shut down. It starts, but then it's shut down. And then, and then we see it start back up again. And there's all these things that's going back and forth and there's this struggle that's going on up there somewhere. While the same struggle is down here. It goes back and forth. That's the way we see our world, isn't it? Things go back and forth. It looks good for a little while, and then it looks bad for a while. There's a struggle. It's a spiritual warfare. And this is what I talk about seeing the divine. Is Persia a good nation? Mm, not really. <laughs> we'll go back and read the stories. Read how some of these people were trying, even in Persia, trying to assassinate and exterminate the Jews, just like happens in every country they've ever been in. The, the king that will finally oversee that sends Ezra back, and we're going to talk about him a little bit in the coming chapter, is a guy by the name of Ahasuerus. We know him as Xerxes in secular history. He's the husband of Esther. Did anything go on during that? Yes. He was not a good king. He's not a good guy. And so even with good kings like Cyrus, it's all occurring in this period of, of, of this country that still has issues with God's people. And that's the way our country works. There's a struggle spiritually. And I believe that if we could see what's really happening in the universe with those divine eyes like Elisha's servant needed to see. If we saw that, we would see that there's a struggle between angels and, and sometimes the angels that are fighting on our side are having bad days. And right now I think they're having some bad days. Second Chronicles, I want to turn there for just a second. <clears throat> second Chronicles chapter 7. We're just going to read one verse from this. Verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He says, If my people who are called by name, by my name, will humble themselves, and they will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is a promise. What does that have to do with angels? Just had a celebration a week ago. A lot of talk about flags. 
in our world today? What's the significance of a flag? Why do we have them? You ever you see an old, old, you know, maybe a documentary on Civil War or Revolutionary War or something, and you always there's this this kid, this poor kid, that has to carry the flag. Now he has no gun. He's a drummer boy, and and uh, these kids run out in there and 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 they're carrying the flag or whatever, and they get shot at. And and, and as soon as they're out there. The opposing army. Now, here's, they're shooting at each other, but they're trying to make sure they shoot the person with the flag. The one person that has no gun, that can't do any harm to them, they're aiming at him. And you watch, it's just, it's always boggled my mind. Now, the kid falls. And, and there's somebody else that picks up the flag. So what, what is so important? It's a piece of cloth. So I want to talk about the importance of a flag. We'll get back around in just a second. It's motivation. It was a, a representation of an identity and, and what their whole thing was about, their side, whatever it was that they represent. That's what a flag is for and it's to this motivation to keep going. Keep going. Here's this kid with no gun and he can keep going. You can keep going. And they did. There is a very <clears throat> real connection between the two worlds we talk about. Let yourself be motivated by the fact that though you can't see them, there are people carrying a standard somewhere on your behalf. You've never seen them. They have bad days and they endure those bad days on our behalf. They are doing what they do for us. Hebrews tells us that we entertain angels unaware. Now I believe he was specifically referring to times when angels came as a human and people didn't know it. But the broader truth is also true that we are down here doing what we do and there's angels all around us and we have no idea that they're there. So I want you to leave here with another idea. To think what an angel would think if watching you, since they are. We have to imagine what it's like to be them. And, and if they are there. But they can see us. And what do they see of me? And this is where we get into the flag. Am I carrying a flag down here of significantly less powerful than any angel? Hopeless, helpless, comparatively. But I've often wondered, if they saw me doing what I can do, would that encourage them? 
backwards thought. They're so great. They're the ones with the big guns. But if they saw me doing what I can do down here, would that enable them, embolden them to, to reach into a reserve because they have bad days and they're not omnipotent? They're not all-powerful. They have these bad days. Would they have a little bit more energy to carry on their fight, doing whatever it is they do? Do I pray for them? And their very real struggles as servants of God. Might they think, what is the point of me doing this if the people who I am concerned about and I'm supposed to be doing this for aren't doing it? Would that be disheartening? Yeah. That would be disheartening to me if I was an angel. If I thought... He comes to church, he preaches a sermon, but the rest of the week, what is he doing? That would dishearten me if I was an angel. I feel insignificant when I read their power and I read what I am. But what is the ability of a trained soldier versus a little old flag carrier? So I will leave you with this today to pick up the flag. Pick up a flag and leave. Whatever it is, spend more time in humble prayer. Renew yourself spiritually. If there's something that you have to renew this week, renew this spiritually. If you are a person that's thought about whether you want to be even a part of this spiritual warfare that we talk about. Do, do I really want to join sides or just kind of hang out and watch? I'm not really sure I want to be in this. We are a part of something that's happening in this world and we have a choice. We will make the choice. We will either choose to be on one side or the other. Not making the choice is a choice. Challenge yourself to do something bold this week. Challenge yourself to say something to somebody that's in your world that you've never spoken to. Do something bold. And maybe if enough of us do this, if enough of us renew ourselves and, and pray, then God will heal our land. Because the forces out there might be emboldened enough to do great things where they are doing it. And I believe this is all the explanation I have for the connection between two things. I wish I knew more. I wish we, we had more details. I do know that we are connected. Every passage I read tells me we are connected. And that is, I believe, what seeing the divine means.